morning, everybody out there in WKXL Radio Land. This is Jane Cormier, your host, NewHampshireTalkRadio.com on Artful Living. And we thank you very much for joining us today. WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. All righty, here we go. Bump music is playing loud and clear. <laughs> hey, thank you, Andrew. And you know what? We have a very special guest. I'm so excited to introduce her to you because, you know, we have a wonderful sponsor here on Artful Living, which is Good Life right here in Concord and goodlifenh.org. You can go on their website and see what wonderful programming they offer for 50, 50 years and above uh, for our community. I have done several programs there over the years, and one program that I actually did do at Good Life was a memoir class that they offered there. This was probably less than a year ago, but um, I was unable to finish the class. I think I did two or three classes and loved it, and I was kind of sorry I couldn't finish the class, but we, I, my schedule changed. I had to drop out, and one of the things in the back of my head was that I've got to make sure I get in touch with the person who ran that class and have her on our show. So fortunately, I was reminded in the crazy season here, I got a nice email about upcoming classes for WKXL. And I said, you know what, right now I'm going to contact Gail Schilling, who was uh, the teacher of the of the memoir class at Good Life. And she was fabulous. So welcome, Gail. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a thrill. We, we've been having a chat upstairs, and uh, there's so many, so many wonderful things we're going to be able to talk about today, such worthy and uplifting great things. And you are a fascinating gal. I loved how you handled the class. I love how you talk about your passion, and which is writing and writers and um, putting that all together in a, in a nice package. Tell us something a little bit about what you have going on. What I have going on. Um, I started writing when I was about 12. I started keeping a journal, and that led to taking some journalism classes. Actually, I started at UNH the first year that the um, university offered journalism. And we had ah. a clock and a typewriter that you it made bell noises. And it was... <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> yeah. So we, I learned how to write there. But, um, and I also taught, uh, first started teaching writing out in Wyoming at Central Wyoming College in the late 1990s. And then when I migrated east, I, I taught writing at uh, NHTI, Concord's Community College, for about 17 years. Wow. So, yeah, I've got a background in that. And then I started teaching the older folks. Um, I love older folks. They have such incredible stories, and you never have behavior problems. Yes. <laughs> um, but I started teaching the older folks uh, in 2015 at New England College with the LINIC program. I think that's the Learning Institute of New England College, mostly for older folks. Mm -hmm. And I just keep doing it because people seem to want it. Yes, well, yeah. I can imagine why they do. Yeah. Your classes are geared to the specific student that's taking the class, which isn't always the case, right? I mean, you really listen. Oh, yes. I, yes, we listen. And we listen to each other. So the way a class might work, um, depending on the day, is I'll give a prompt, and then the students will write, and then we'll share. And if you don't want to share, 
Or if you're overcome by what you've written, which happens sometimes, um, then you don't have to share. But typically, students like to share what they've written um, and get feedback. Now, the classes I teach are not typically for publication. These We call them generative uh, workshops. You generate mm-hmm. material, and then you might put it toward a, a larger opus, a, a bigger book, or maybe you're working on StoryWorth or one of those commercial programs. So the stories are uh, perhaps useful, perhaps not, but all of them help your brain to keep working and I think as we age we need to keep those neurons popping or we're in big trouble (laughs) (laughs) you know what you are so right about that and the older you get uh, the more you absolutely need to be in the front part of your mind Mm -hmm. understanding of that fact because if you're not you won't necessarily get what you need especially Mm -hmm. as we get older you know we sort of you know think we've retired now we could take it easy well Mm -hmm. You got to be careful with take it easy, right? De- we still learn. Definitely. So take it easy. No, that doesn't work because then you'll turn <laughs> it, your brain turns into mush. Yeah. I mean, you, you just you just can't do that. Um, and the ladies I have are really vibrant. Mm-hmm. I've had some really um, interesting women telling some of their life stories. Uh, it's one or two might decide to make a book out of it, maybe just a chat book, maybe something um, more for the uh, a national audience. Mm-hmm. Although typically with maybe the 100 or so students I've had, they'll just write for their own pleasure or for a legacy for the grandkids. That's fine. That's, that's fun. That's typical. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the process. It's about the process and it's about making friends. And I think it's really it's about the energy that writers together can generate. It, I mean, anybody can sit in the attic or sit home on the recliner and try to write, but it doesn't usually work. Mm-hmm. You have to have that other energy. Um, I mean, I don't get into vibrations and all that, but I, there is something that happens in yeah. a group that does not happen when you're, you're all by yourself. That is undoubtedly true, yeah. and it doesn't matter what group you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It is when you have human beings together mm-hmm. sharing, things happen. And I think a lot of friendships come out of this group. But to go back to what you asked about the classes different for each person, um, I think the takeaway is probably different. But my, my tactic, my mantra is always do no harm. A lot of the writers that come in say, oh, I can't write. My fifth grade teacher hated me, and I always got bad marks on my research papers. I said, no, no, no. We're not doing that. We're, we're telling stories. Right. If you can talk and tell a story – you can write it down. If you don't want to write it down, just dictate it into your phone and have it transcribed. But everybody has stories, and that's what we're looking for. We share stories. <coughs> Excuse me. We have some errant coughing going on here, and I apologize myself because we're just – both of us are getting over that horrible cough thing that's going around. And um, I'm one of them, so you're going to hear it now and then, and I apologize. Okay, so um, – you know, the one thing that we want our folks to know, especially at Good Life, is upcoming classes. Sure. So you have some coming up, right? I do. We have a, a memoir class, and this will be for newbies or for experienced writers. Um, I call them my frequent flyers, who like to just come and have the uh, the camaraderie. There will be one starting at Good Life. It will be a four-week class. Uh, it starts on Tuesday, January 2nd at 2 o'clock, and I think it's just $50 for an hour and a half to two hours. 
or eight hours total, which is really a pretty good that deal. That is crazy good. It's crazy good, yeah. Um, but my, my goal is, it feels like a mission more to me, Jane, mm-hmm. to help people to tell their stories. And then at some point I do, other, I do other writing. I write for the, it used to be Daily Guideposts. Now it's called Walking in Grace. And, you know, that that pays for plane tickets. The good life really doesn't pay for plane tickets, but it, it's a nice, you know, bus fare. <laughs> yes, I've actually read them when they were um, under the other title. Yes, yes, I've been doing that for, <clears throat> I've lost track, I think 28 years now. Wow, I didn't know that, that's yeah. great. So I've got about 200 of those devotionals out there somewhere. Holy moly. Yeah. Um, where were we? So we, we were actually talking about uh, January 2nd. January 2nd. Is when the class will begin, right. and if anybody wanted to register... Yes, go right to Good Life. They they have a good website. Um, I usually l- limit the class to eight, but I think we could squeeze out more. Mm-hmm. Um, last summer, I took a class. My, I took a writing workshop in Massachusetts, which was uh, run by a protege of Natalie Goldberg, and I learned a few tips on how to run a larger class. So I would be very comfortable yeah. with more uh, participants as long as we can get you in. Um, I know some people are reluctant to sign up for classes because they might have hearing impairment, and we always adjust so that we can hear well. Um, So just come. Absolutely. A a number of people come in their walkers, no problem. Having done the class, uh, I tell you, the welcoming atmosphere, and really you're quite gifted at being able to motivate people from where they are. And I remember in that class... I got the feeling like there were so many different um, starting points mm-hmm. from there. There were people that were really rather experienced, people that were you could tell were a little nervous about being there, people who had incredible energy, but, you know, have never written before. And really, you were so skilled at navigating the class, allowing their rhythm to take the class, but, you know, steering a little bit when it needed to be steered. Well, it- I don't, you know, I don't think we can actually, te- you can teach some skills, but to teach writing, to, to teach people to be comfortable telling their stories, um, that's something that bubbles up and you nurture it. Yes. So I think of myself as a nurturer or as one of my more hardcore friends said, oh, you baby them. I said, oh, well, no, I nurture. Yes. My my mantra is first do no harm mm-hmm. because I was saying so many people have just been destroyed by their English teachers. I said, no, we don't do that. That's not what we do there. Not at sure. all. So the, um, like you say, oh, so like, <laughs> like I, hear, I hear some music here. Oh, that means we have a bump. We have a okay. little break here. We're going to take, take a little break. WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. And stay with us because we're going to be right back with Gail Schilling. Welcome back. This is Jane Cormier, your host here on WKXL NewHampshireTalkRadio.com, WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and of course, 101.9 FM in Manchester. 
If you are just joining us, we are speaking with Gail Schilling, and Gail is a wonderful persona who is working with Good Life here in New Hampshire to bring forth a, a, a class, a writing class for a memoir on January 2nd. It's a four-week class at 2 o'clock, and all that information is at goodlifenh.org. But uh, she's been telling us a little bit about what that class is, how it's structured, and her goal is, of course, do no harm, which is the medical. Isn't that uh, like a, a medical? I think that's the that? hypocritical. Hypocritical. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. What good oath. Yes. It's a good place to be. Well, so many people are nervous about when you write, you're exposing yourself. And uh, you're exposing your emotions, you're exposing your past. Some people expose themselves too much, and we try to steer them into a place where they feel heard, but they won't dominate um, because people are paying to hear me. But anyway, yeah. uh, so very often what I do is encourage the, the those that are uncomfortable and, and and then the uh, the class will encourage too. There's mm-hmm. usually a wonderful ambiance in this class. Occasionally, we'll have somebody who's um, who's probably been wounded at some point and can get a little snarky. But we that doesn't I don't tolerate that in my classes. Yes, but we have um, folks that are more established in their craft, and we'll praise them. And I think that the level of feedback I give will will vary depending on the participant, because some people. My, I'll feel safe saying, okay, well, what about if you tried this or could you add more? Mm-hmm. But to the raw beginner, I would I would just accept what they provide and then go from there. Right, and that's the art of what you do. Well, I, you know, talking to you upstairs, I don't think that <clears throat> you're obviously a brilliant gal. But, you know, sometimes when we do what we do, we don't know how important or how qualitative how you know quality oriented it is because that's what we do right but from an outsider coming in who didn't know you at all right just took two classes there and uh my impression of you was that you were really gifted in doing this oh my goodness thank you no you really were i mean i'm pretty good with people i've seen an awful lot in this life and that was the one thing that stood out uh, for me in the class, the the class, I should tell everybody, if you've ever had any inkling of a desire to try writing, there will not be another opportunity safer and more compelling than taking this class at Good Life because you'll feel safe. You're going to learn from other people, which is the best way to learn, hearing their stories, hearing what they wrote, hearing the feedback to that person teaches you while you're trying to learn this little craft. And another thing that you mentioned, which I think is hugely important, when you said that there were some folks, grandparents, that wanted to write a memoir for the younger set, I don't know of anything that's more, that's a better gift than that. Exactly. And that's where people say, oh, I don't know how to write. And I say, you need to write in your own voice. It needs to sound like you. So when one woman said, and she's a brilliant woman, said, oh, I couldn't write a research paper. I said, that's it's like apples and chalk. I mean, there's no comparison whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell you're a heck of a storyteller and just get the stories down. So that's what we work at. And then if you want to put them together and compile them into a some kind of a a book, so much for that. Right, it's already done if you've done that, if you compile them. You know, it's so funny, the the storytelling, I think we've lost some of that with this technology that we have today. Um, 
great storytelling really does take a little bit of time and and human experience you know to to make it yeah you can't text your story uh you, you need to be able to sit down and write i don't forget who said how do i know what i think if i don't see what i say um and i thought that was a pretty good uh, and then there's also james thurber says uh don't get it right get it written get something down and Excellent. that was that was our mantra in the newsroom just get her done so newsroom so you were a news gal I was a news gal. I worked for some small papers out in Wyoming. Um, I've had pieces in the Concord Monitor oh and then uh, in the Concord in- Magazine back when they, I, I don't know if that's still a publication, but the Concord Magazine, I've done feature stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's well, so interesting? Did you start out in, in, did you start as a writer and then go to news and back to writing or? Because that's very different in some ways. Right. Well, I started with the writing simply because I found myself as a single mom with four kids in Wyoming, and I knew this was something I could do, and I could generate stories and got some very good feedback on them and my columns. Wow. Back when we did columns. Now you would call them a blog, right? Right, right. And I do blog now, too. I have my own website. Um, But I I would write, and then at some point, I decided, well, I needed more money (laughs) <laughs> I'd laugh now. I needed more money and a more predictable schedule, and I uh, trained as a teacher. Uh-huh. So I got my teaching certification, and then I could teach um, actually K through adult because mm-hmm. I teach literacy. So wow, yeah, I've done a so lot. You've of like different done everything. Things. Well, quite a bit. And then when I was teaching at uh, NHTI, I met a young man who was from. He was a refugee from South Sudan, and he said, can you edit my book? Well, he had 40 pages, and it was it was heart-wrenching. And I said, there's a lot more that needs to be said here. I'll be glad to do it. And I, we worked on it. It took about four years, but he finally pub- self-published, and we got it up to about 90 or 100 pages. But we called it um, God Threw Me Back, A Child Survives War in Sudan. And he, he had been conscripted as a boy soldier, mm-hmm. and his story was just wrenching. Yeah. But that would, I did that pro bono, and then I wrote my own book um, called Do Not Go Gentle, Go to Paris, Travels of an Uncertain Woman of a Certain Age. That came out in 2019. <laughs> I think that's a great title. Well, Do Not Go Gentle, Go to Paris. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I found that all the uh, literary agents and um, publishers that I tried to work with were in their 20s and 30s. They didn't understand the older woman. They did, They said, who's going to read it? I said, oh, honey, <laughs> you know, look at your stats from... Look at your few, demographics. Yes. I said, it, back then there was something like, what, 13,000 people turning 65 yeah. every day. Yeah. And I have so I had to self-publish because the, the publishers didn't pick it up. Oh, and my it, goodness. Really? I self-published it. And I've sold at least nine thousand, some, somewhere around ten thousand. You know what? Copies. That just steams me because you know what? That that is not recognized for what it is, and you know what that is? That's ageism. That well, is not giving what the, the one group of people is making a judgment that something else would not be worthy to be supported clearly they didn't know the market and clearly they were just too young so i just said well it works for me because now i also do a presentation on self-publishing wow good for you i've done that for ollie a couple times so that sounds like a really that would be a a great class for good life uh yes i've done it for good life as well i've also done classes on right have the last word write your own obituary because that's a good one too that's a good one because that's one of the first things you do as a cub reporter it's a very um, template 
It's, yeah. it's very easy. Temply you know, oriented. One, two, three, four. And you, you know, wouldn't it be great to do that while we're here? Right? Oh. Be, and I don't know how many people are comfortable thinking about that, but that's well, great. you know, you can't put it off or somebody's going to write it for you. And how much do your kids really know? Yes. I remember the day my mother started talking about the past and I just grabbed a napkin or something that was close by and said, tell me more. Tell me. What sorority? You know, what? Uh, when did you do this? When were you on PTA? Yeah. And then I got all the data, and she was very comfortable. So we wrote it together, and I had that all ready uh-huh. to go before she passed. And she could make all the corrections. Yes. <laughs> you know? And get it right. Get it right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, most people, I bet, don't even think about that. Um most don't, but when you get to a certain age, I think you start to think about it, but you don't want to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. So I try to make it um, entertaining, as I do. You do. Yeah, and we we write our, I said we can write a funny one, you can write, and you know, so many people do not have services now that what you might write for an obituary would once have been an elegy. I mean, you would have read it in a yeah. church or read it at the funeral parlor, and now people don't have that opportunity at all. Right. So all of your... Uh, history is just gone gone in a puff of wind. Or we say like sad? the breath of the buffalo in winter is just gone. It's so sad. Well, it seems sad to me. but And I think for the family, I think there might be regrets. <clears throat> yeah, sure. If they can't have all that information. Well, I could tell you it is for me. I, you know, I'm from a very large family. My father was one of 14. Oh, my goodness. My mom was one of eight. I'm one of eight. And so my entire life until now, because I'm the youngest of the eight, um, a lot of people have passed. You know, there's ver- there's no aunts and uncles left in my life. Grandparents, of course, long go, long gone. And um, there is so much history now with our grandparents that we can't even find out. Things like when we were trying to find out stuff about my grandfather, who is from Canada, all of the life documents uh, for that time, for a period of time anyway, were burnt in a fire. And so there's no way to find out Mm -hmm. what my grandfather, you know, little details. We, it's it's so strange, you know. I, we really miss those things. So, there it is. There's a thought that uh, there's always something to be learned by by what someone has lived, and we shouldn't let that go. Okay, we're going to take a little break here. WKXL's Art for Living here. WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. Come right back now because we're going to talk some more with Gail Schilling. Welcome back. Art for Living here. Jane Cormier, your host for WKXL, New Hampshire Talk Radio. And if you're just joining us, welcome. We have a wonderful guest today, Gail Schilling, who is a writer and a teacher and just an all-around smart gal. And she's been talking to us a little bit. Uh, we will, uh, every segment of this um, interview, I'm going to highlight Good Life, who is offering a memoir class. Gail Schilling will be the teacher beginning January 2nd. It's a four-week class, and I've taken the class. Um, Highly recommend if you've ever had any interest or thought about perhaps writing a little memoir. This is the class you want to take. So if you go to goodlifenh.org, you can sign up right there on on the website. Gail, you told us in the last segment that you wrote a book, Do Not Go Gentle, Go to Paris. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about what what is that book about? 
Well, the subtitle tells you it's uh, Travels of an Uncertain Woman of a Certain Age. So what happened was um, I was supposed to be teaching over at NHTI, and one of my classes was given to somebody younger. And I thought, hmm. Um, And I decided that I wanted to just go to Paris. I'd never been there. I was 62 at the time. And my son said, you're going to go. And so he decided that he would uh, pay for my plane ticket. Now, he was a struggling student. He was just a sophomore, I think, in college at that point. And he decided that mom needed to go. Wow. So he said, how long do you want to go for? And so I wasn't thinking. I said, oh, a month. Well, then I wouldn't have any income, and I, I wouldn't have spending money. But I said, I'll finish my semester, and then I'll go to... I'll go then. And he said, do you want to go to Iceland? I said, sure. And so he rooted me through ice. I didn't even know how to say Reykjavik. I called it Reykjavik. I mean, that's how green <laughs> that's right. I was. But I was so keen on this. And I had no money, no money. So I put it on a credit card. And I stayed in hostels. I traveled alone. Um, I brushed up on my French at French table over at NHTI. Yeah. Th- thanks to uh, Paula Delbonis Platt. She was my French tutor. And then um, I went, mm. and it was wonderful because I wanted to see who am I, how do I grow old? I'm already feeling like I have less identity, I'm not teaching, I don't look so good, Aww. what do I do now? And it just really was a confidence boost, and I got to see how the French women aged, and they have such, they, they appear to have such confidence and such élan about their representation that um, I learned how to stand on my feet. I mean, I was gone for a month. I had to speak French to get by. And it was and wonderful. that can be a trick in itself with France in Paris, especially. Well, I found people if you if you were like I do in my classes, if you were a little bit self-effacing, and you said please and thank you, yeah, it's um, better. And try to speak in French, no matter how mangled it was. Right. And I guess my French was good enough that people would come and ask me directions, and then realize that I couldn't. I could yes. I could speak, but I couldn't respond to, to questions that well. So it was a very positive experience. And in the meantime, I had a little uh, romantic interest too that proved to be a real dud. So oh, mamma mia! <laughs> oh my! So it it made it. Um, it was an adventure. It certainly was. And I said, you know, you don't have to have a, a man in your life to have a, a satisfying life. And it, it really gave me a lot of courage. And then after that, I went on to Turkey and Greece and, uh, and Istanbul. And During the same trip? No, I, that oh. was later. Okay, so you but kept it, went back. it inspired me to um, do some other travel. things. Travel, yeah. Really do some Interesting. So, so I want to go back to um, what you were talking about. I find it very interesting, and I, I know what you're talking about, but let's get into it a little bit more. You said uh, you wanted to see how Paris or French women uh, age and how they seem to have sort of a grace or a – there's something yes. about that. How did that manifest? Well, they take care of themselves. I particularly remember this older gal. Now, she must – I was in my 60s, so 70s or 80s I thought was old. And she was so tanned, she was a little bit shriveled up, but she was lying on a balustrade in Collieu, which was a place I hadn't planned to go, but um, things happened like that on this trip. And it was wonderful. There was a train strike. I had to, I had to stay on the edge of the Mediterranean for nine days. I oh, said, my. I could deal. <laughs> uh, but she just stretched herself out, and she tilted her big speech sun hat and um, 
she had her big sunglasses, and she was just so ultra sure of herself. I thought, God, if I looked like that, I would put a towel over me. But she was very confident. Yes. And I thought, why not? Yes. You know? That's the thing. Why not? That is the thing. Uh, so I lived for a while in Europe um, in my opera singing days. And <clears throat> yeah, I think I, when I started, I was probably like 29 living over there. And um, I noticed that there was a difference in what you're talking about in, mm-hmm. in the perception of how women held themselves mm-hmm. in Europe. This was in Germany. This was in Italy. A uh, little bit, not so much in, when I was living in Russia or singing in Russia. I wasn't there very long. But I did notice it in the other countries. And it's the perception of oneself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's what it is. You, the women don't let themselves go, and I, I don't know that the men do either. I've met a there was a book about um, Paris and the Sweet Life, and it's written by a chef. You'd know his name if I could think of it. But he 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 caught himself uh, shaving, dressing up, putting on a sweater, leather shoes to take the trash out mm. because you just don't go slopping around in sweats. Right. right. And you know, without your makeup on, your hair done. Yes. You just take care of yourself. And They're I very thought, present, aren't they? Yes. They're very present yes. in the moment. Yes. And I think that that presence is the thing that allows them to manifest this aura of having have just having it all together right yes and perhaps if you talk to them or read more about them they don't but that and the scarf toujours les, yes. the, the, the shop. big on that yeah, yes. always the scarf yes for sure yeah you're right it's just so interesting isn't it and i don't know what it would take because it is different here and i'm not sure i'm not making a qualitative statement that one is better than the other but it's just different and people here are much more laid back um, with regard to what you're talking about. And I don't know, you know, why that difference. Well, it feels good. It feels good to take a little care of yourself. And it felt the the aging didn't seem to be... A big deal. A big deal. Because I right. looked in the mirror afterwards and I thought, wow, you've come a long way. Yeah, no, you're right about that. <laughs> it felt good. They go with it mm. more than we do. I think Americans fight it more. They fight aging. And you can't fight that... You aren't winning if you try to fight it because it's coming for all of us. Well, even the fact that a woman d'un certain age seemed to be more desirable, mm-hmm. um, I said that's that's in your favor. Although I think d'un certain age is more like fifty, but mm-hmm. you know who's counting? No, but it's it's a mindset <laughs> is really what you're saying, and to slow down enough to know that you're worthy enough to take time to take care of yourself in mm-hmm. in that little way, in those little ways, makes a huge impression on the other side. Just really interesting, you know, how that... You know, and then the other thing that I think was um, empowering, not just seeing how the French women carried themselves, but being able to uh, stay in hostels and, you know, share a room with four, six, eight other women. Uh, My kids were... Apparently, there's some movie where there's a murder in a hostel. Yeah, that's crazy. My kids had seen that, and they said, Mom, you're staying in a hostel? I said, sure, why not? And they were wonderful. And that's where you get to meet... I said, the less money you spend... (laughs) The more um, real people, the more real people you meet. <laughs> I said I noticed that the the fewer uh, jackets and aprons and coats the waiters had on, uh, the more likely they were to talk to you and, and have a chat. For sure. So, you know, it was certainly on a budget, but it, it worked out really well, and I met some fascinating people. Yes, the empowering yeah. thing, the in, the confidence mm. that gives a person, you know, especially mm. when you're by yourself. It's, it's different than when you go with someone else. When you're yeah. in a foreign country by yourself having to navigate uh, day to day, right? I mean, I remember going over to, 
my first gig was in Vienna. And in our country, we had not yet had debit cards when I left here. Okay? We, if we did, I, wasn't, I didn't have them in Massachusetts or in New Hampshire. Right? So when, when I got over there, the first thing I, I was given by the theater I was running, I was you know, playing with, was a set of these, you know, you have to go get the debit card. I'm like, debit cards? What's that? I had to do that whole technology thing in mm-hmm. German. Oh. Because they did, they were way ahead of us. They were like a couple of years ahead of us. You didn't get bank statements. It was all online. You know, we 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 weren't there yet here in this country, at least where I was living. And I wasn't in some weird place. You know, it was like Methuen and, and you know, <laughs> Methuen, Mass. So, uh, or New Hampshire, Hampstead, New Hampshire. So, yeah, very strange how far ahead they were. But I had to negotiate that by myself with no friends really there. And, you know... You talk about empowering. Yeah, it does, because deep down inside, you know you did it. You you did that. And after you do it once, and I talk about this in the book, after you have been brave once, it's a lot easier the second time. And I was thinking back, <laughs> you know, there I do flashbacks to some of my childhood things, like jumping off a big rock. Well, the rock was maybe three feet tall. <laughs> but by the time I could do it without holding my mom's hand. Yeah, it's a big deal. Then I thought, well, you know, I'm... I've made it. (laughs) Yes, there you go. That is so true. That is so very true. All right, we're going to take a little break here on Artful Living. Jane Cormier, your host. Our guest today, today, Gail Schilling. Good Life, New Hampshire. She's she's giving a class on writing a memoir. And uh, we'll return NewHampshireTalkRadio.com right after these messages. here on Artful Living, and uh, we are thrilled, New Hampshire Talk Radio, to um, introduce you, if you're just joining us, to Gail Schilling, who is a writer and uh, a mentor for writers, and she's offering a class at uh, Good Life NH, goodlifenh.org, and it is in begins uh, January 2nd for four weeks at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And we want to make sure everybody knows about it because this is a great class led by a really great gal. And she has a wealth of experience and knowledge on how to, you know, if you're not really used to writing, how do we begin writing a memoir? You did have a book called Do Not Go Gentle, Go to Paris. And I want to make sure that we let folks know how do we get that book. Um, um, Gibson's has some. Awesome, <coughs> there's, really? Yep, there's some at Gibson's, and uh, you can order it online, and you can order it on my website. Okay. And you your can, website is? Uh, it's my name. So it's um, www.gail, <laughs> G-A-I-L, Thorell, T-H-O-R-E-L-L, Schilling, S-C-H-I-L-L-I-N-G, or you can just look up, do not go gentle, go to Paris, and I'm sure you'll find something. There you go. Well, I'm going to head to Gibson's. I'm going to grab your book. Good. I think it's a great, it sounds like a great gift. Awesome. Just awesome. All right. So um, we've talked a little bit about everything. You know, one thing that I do have a question about, you said that you were in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Uh, how, How did you end up in New Hampshire? Oh, okay. I was born in New Hampshire. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I was born and went to school here for a while. And then I moved, I married and moved out to Wyoming with my husband. Wow. And 
after a while, I had four children and no husband, and that's when I started writing came for the back. newspaper. Okay. So I, I came back in 2000 because my folks were, were failing, and they needed some help. I see. And uh, by then, my kids had gone on other directions, and what just one came back with me and mm-hmm. graduated school in New Hampshire. Wow. So Good. Very good. Yep. Came back. Yep. That's awesome. Very good. All right. So, Gail, tell us, um, when we're writing a memoir, just very quickly... What is the value of doing that? You know, oh for folks goodness. that might not have really thought about it, what would be the value of doing that? I think it's very empowering to go back over your life and and to just pull up the memories um, so that you can think about what you've done. Um, also, I think if there has been a, a, a trauma or a, a serious disagreement in your life, you can write your side of the story. And I think it's very important to do that. I had one young one woman who wrote uh, her memoir, and actually, she was determined to finish this. Uh, we would have coffee together, and she would show me what she'd written. We'd have dinner together. We'd, I'd go to her house, and then she died um, just a year or two after we started the process. So her daughter, put, uh, her niece, put the uh, book together finally. But she had, she was one of those families where there's one family, and then there's a space of years, and another family. Okay. And she just had to make very clear what her life had been like, um, because not everybody saw it the same way as she did. So it's a way of saying this is my version. And when I when people write memoir, I said there is no right or wrong version, because you are the narrator. And it's exactly the way you see it. You know that song by Maurice Chevalier, you know, uh, we dined at eight. No, it was nine um, (laughs) and so forth. Um, What you remember is the way it goes. Right. So it's not like autobiography, which is actual factual, but it's it's your memories. So I think it sets some of those free. Um, Another reason might be, like I said, for the legacy for the grandchildren. Awesome. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Or just to see where you've been. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like climbing up a mountain without looking over your shoulder. Where have I been? And my God, because I think, my God, did I really raise four children alone in Wyoming? Oh, yeah. For umpteen years. And (laughs) did I really publish a book? Did I really do this and that? Uh And, you know, why didn't I ever take piano lessons? That sort of thing. So I think it's a it's a bit of a reality check, and it doesn't have to be um, a sad thing or a no, regretful not at thing all. because there's still time. Oh, absolutely. If you're breathing, there's still time. Absolutely. I can't see how anybody would perceive that, that a memoir would be a negative. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Mm-hmm. The whole rich treasure trove that we have mm-hmm. lies in what we have experienced and to be able, like you said, to mm-hmm. find those memories. That's great. And I think, you know, you can you, you can do it at home, but if you do it with a group and then you share them, uh, there's something very empowering about that because you have a family mm-hmm. and now somebody else knows your history. Mm-hmm. And I think what we regret most about losing those aunts and uncles and the, the school, I lost one of my very best friends uh, in April. I, I actually helped to scatter her ashes, which was quite a powerful experience. Wow. But the shared history is gone right you know so i think being able to share your history with somebody else even if it's not blood family but if it's your memoir family a lot of these groups keep going after i start them uh one group the group from new england college we started in 2015 we still get together we got together last week um to share stories Uh, sometimes we share writing sometimes we share a glass of wine you know whatever i can't imagine that it's anything but therapeutic 
Well, I'd like process. to think so, but you know, and some people are very shy or yeah. no, it's 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 positive. I think it's positive. Totally. Totally yeah. positive. Nothing to be nervous about at all. Yeah. And especially this class because if you haven't done it before, which I hadn't. <laughs> right? I had done some newspaper writing. I had a column for like 3 years in the, the Weir's Times. And uh, <clears throat> that was very different because that was like a political column. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and you know, those can be, you know, very different. But uh, I never really wrote anything, you know, in depth, certainly not about myself. And it just brought up so many pertinent points to be thinking about that I can't imagine um, that, you know, I can't even think that that would be a negative. It's all good stuff. Well, and I think... Once you trigger one memory, you they, they tumble out. Yes. And you find a lot more. And usually people say, oh, I hadn't thought about that for years. Um, and every once in a while, I'd say probably, well, no, it's more than once in a while, um, people will weep when they're reading their pieces. And you can tell that they have hit something that's very, very important to them. Right. And everybody is extremely empathetic. Yes. Um, so that's not a and, anything, and, you anything know what? to be worried about. Not at all. I have... A big, I have a thing, because I've been in performing and in theater and art my whole life, and I think that weeping is really underrated. Mm. Here's why. The perception is as if someone cries, it's a negative, that we should feel sorry for them, that it's, that's, some people think it's bad, you lose control and you cry, right? I don't. I think for the majority of folks that feel, and as an artist, I want people to feel that's what we want. We want people to feel. That's why we do what we do. I don't care if it's music, singing, dance, art, theater, mm-hmm. painting, memoir, writing. Because that's where connections are to ourself, to who we have around us, to who may be in front of us, right? And it was funny. We, we recently did a show called The Little Match Girl last week. Uh, Pittsville players I had revised the story and in the story when the little girl ends uh, a few people in my cast said why would you put that as a Christmas story it's so sad right good point right Mm -hmm. but my point was there was great hope Mm -hmm. in that little girl and that's something all of us can learn from and when we see it yeah we could bring a tear to the eye that that story is so sad but that tear is not a negative tear. That is not a tear that you need to feel bad about. That's a tear shed because you connected and you felt. And Be- that is never bad. Because you're human. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So that, I think there is a lot of, well, there is a lot of shared humanity in these, uh, in these classes. And uh, I'm getting pumped to go do it again. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I think you're going to be great. Yeah. I, I tell you, I mean, two o'clock in the afternoon is tough for me because I teach. Uh-huh. Um, I, I teach at St. John's Regional uh-huh. School. And uh, so I'm busy mostly, you know, most every day. But the truth is, is writing a memoir was something that I, I tried to start. I, I have the template on how to begin. And when things slow down a little bit for me, I'm going to go back into it, and I'm going to give it another shot. But I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't taken your class. And I would, I, I would start wherever your thoughts are. So if you're thinking about Christmas, because I don't think there's one place 
to start. Um, wherever the story is, just follow the, follow the trail. Start where and, you are. Start where you are and write whatever story is coming to mind right now. And then another one will come and another one to come. And then organize it later. Yeah. That's what I would suggest. And I would focus on a, on a smaller period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always go larger if you need it. Yes. Right. But I mean, yes. starting small is we can control that. We yes. can. <laughs> and in terms of, of the daytime class, I sim- <laughs> I do tu- Tuesdays at two because I've always done Tuesdays at two. Sure. And it's easy to remember. Yeah. I used to have a Tai Chi class before it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm very eager to put together evening classes. Um, people have expressed interest in that. Um, either We could either do it uh, in person or online. Um, I probably can't offer it quite as cheaply as Good Life does because they, they have some subsidies that I don't have. Sure. Okay. But you do great stuff. And Gail Schilling, thank you so much for being with us today. Again, if you were looking forward to reading her book, do not go gentle. Go to Paris. Gibson Store has some. Or you can go Schilling. And you'll find everything that you need at that website. You've been a great guest. Thanks for being on Artful Living, Gail. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> and everybody out there, uh, we're, we're going to be um, wishing you the best because Christmas will be right around the corner. And uh, Or hall, happy holidays. And we at WKXL want to wish you all good things in the upcoming holiday season. WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. Jane Cormier here from Art for Living. Thank you for joining us.